Um, I'm Ron, compulsive overeater, recovering know-it-all. Um, I came to Overeaters Anonymous in 1979, November. I was entertaining suicide because I couldn't stop eating. I tried all the diets, Weight Watchers, HCG, all the diets that you can think of. And once again, I was going up again, eating not around the clock, but for me, eating a, a lot. And uh, I couldn't stop eating. Uh, called a uh, family member of mine, and I said, I can't stop eating, I don't know what to do. She said, why don't you go to OA? Well, OA was Order of the Arrow in the Boy Scouts. <laughs> Could not figure out how I was going to lose weight in Order of the Arrow, which I was a member. So she said, no, 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 Overeaters Anonymous. Now, I have a master's in psychology, and we had AA come and speak to us, but there were no eating disorders at that time, and, uh, so, or at least programs uh, as far as uh, 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 that came to speak to us. And um, so to uh, talk about the numbers, I came in November of 1979, uh, got abstinent like that because I can follow directions. I followed the gray sheet. Anybody who's been around, I have 34 years of continuous abstinence, but I'm in program 36 years, which tells you I didn't do it perfectly. Um, I was raised in a lower middle class Jewish family in Los Angeles over by Fairfax and I felt very different and uh, as a young child I had no weight problem but there was so much fatumal there was so much uh, problems in my family uh, having which most of us are, are from dysfunctional families uh, that I didn't know what to do with all those feelings and my parents didn't know what to do with feelings, so I ate. And I found that food kind of soothed those feelings. It got rid of those feelings. So um, I'm one of those yo-yos. I go up and down and up. I heard years ago a guy said he was a yo. He just went up, never, never went on a diet. But that's not my story. I'm up and down and up and down. And uh, all my parents had to say, I will buy you and I'll lose weight. So I was very easily manipulated. So um, my top weight was 198 pounds. In program, I became anorexic. I went down to 125 pounds. And for this frame, that's pretty anorexic. And I stayed there for about six or seven years thinking I was Mr. OA. Uh, you couldn't teach me a thing. I knew everything because I was skinny and I could show my kidney dimples. <laughs> Didn't even know I had kidney dimples until I was 125. So um, a woman came up to me. Uh, I didn't realize she was taking my inventory. That's how sick I was. She said, you don't look happy, joyous, and free. And the only answers to our program are in this book. And it says, God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. You don't look it. And I said, I'm not. She said, you need a fourth step sponsor. And with all the arrogance that I could muster, I said, there is no one in OA that has what I want. She said, good, go to AA. 
Now, I don't like alcohol, except if it has an umbrella in it. So, and you understand, I tell that to other people, and they look at me and go, Nochamol, what is that? So, so, um, uh, so there was a valley club, still exists. And I go to the valley club, and I'm sitting there talking about something they're not going to do that day. They're not going to drink. They're not going to take drugs. They're not going to whatever. And I'm sitting there, and uh, someone came up to me and said, well, what did you think about the meeting? And I said, well, they keep talking about stuff they're not going to do. I don't identify. God shot. She said, why don't you listen to the similarities instead of the dissimilarities? And I didn't realize that that's exactly what I was doing. I was sitting there trying to prove I'm not like them because I don't like alcohol, I said, except if it has sugar in it. And so I'm there. And then the next time, this same woman from OA comes up to me and she said, you don't look happy, joyous and free. And I said, well, I've only been here for a couple of meetings. And she said, you need a fourth step sponsor. You don't need a step sponsor. You don't need a food sponsor. You need a fourth step sponsor. And I again reiterated, there's no one in OA that has what I want. Another God shot. Who in this room, now remember, I'm in the Valley Club, I'm in the AA group. Who in this room frightens you the most? And it was Captain Serenity, who was a street thug. And she said, go call him and ask him to be your sponsor. I said, you have a death wish for me. <laughs> I said, this guy will chew me and throw me out and I won't have to worry about, you know, anything because I'll be dead. She said, I think he's a, he's a, a, a pussycat. So I called him. I'm not that strong. And uh, I said, Captain, I'd like to ask you to be my sponsor. He said, are you an alcoholic? It's very loving. <laughs> I said, no. He said, what are you? I said, I'm a compulsive overeater. He says, oh, I don't sponsor them. They're sick. <laughs> so I said, well, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. So he said, okay, I want you to call me for 30 days. If you miss a day, I'll kill you. <laughs> That's what my higher power knew that I needed. So I started working with him. He taught me some interesting things. He said, I can act my way into good thinking, but not think my way into good actions. And that's why I became a psychologist. Because I figured that if I could analyze what was going on in my life, I could change it. And I have to tell you that mostly what I got out of analysis was a well-defined problem. <laughs> when I was in grad school, we had a psychiatrist come and speak to us. And I raised my hand and I said, what do you do after you analyze the person? He says, I don't know. So he said, I want you, this is my sponsor, he said, I want you to do some, something for someone and not get found out. How did he know I was self-centered? What a strange thing. He said, I want you to do something for someone and not get found out. So now I'm at the Valley Club. I'm sneaking. And I took a cup. They have real cups there, real mugs. And I went and I washed it and I put it away. And I call him that night. And Captain says, what would you do for somebody and not get found out? And I'm dying. I'm thinking, this guy's going to beat the crap out of me. 
I found a mug and I washed it and I put it away. He said, good, do something uh, different tomorrow. No, 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 no. Excuse me, Tom. You don't know the rules. The rules are I do something that you ask me to do and you tell me I did it wrong. I'm a bad person. And he said, wait a minute. You and I have to make a deal. You give me the baseball bat and the whips. And when I think you deserve it, we'll negotiate. (laughs) He said, you would never allow anybody to treat yourself as badly as you treat yourself. He's absolutely right. Then I had to go to my family. I don't know about anybody in here, but visiting my family is... uh, I uh, I ate over that. (laughs) So... I said, what do I do? He says, well, in the big book, it says, do something for someone else. So go there and do something for someone else and don't get found out. So I was over at my one of my sister's house. She had four babies and the bathroom was a mess. So I cleaned it up. And so it looked spotless, but I didn't tell anybody. Then I noticed that all of their towels were threadbare. So. I started bringing, every time I came up, one or two brand new towels. I was just up there for Hanukkah, and I noticed that all of their towels are mine. (laughs) But I don't think she knows that they're all towels that I brought. It all helped to get out of myself, because I am self-centered, egocentric, and I'm a control freak. Nobody else, I'm sure, is, but... I certainly like control everything. So he started me on the steps. And uh, he says, uh, step one. What is step one? (laughs) He came to believe. Admitted I was powerless over food. My life had become a man. Sorry, when you get older, you start. We call it Schoenfagessen. I start forgetting things. So. So uh, uh, I said, well, I can admit I'm a compulsive overeater, but that I'm powerless, I don't know. He said, okay, describe your last binge. I said, well, I, uh, I uh, went to school and then I came home and, uh, and I decided not to study, of course. And then I went and... Uh, I had some dinner, went across the street and got my binge foods and uh, had to eat something on the way back, which was across the street, and, uh, and did not taste anything past the second bite. First time I ever noticed that. He said, go back further. I said, well, I got up in the morning and I took a shower. He says, no, 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 go back at the point that you made a decision to binge that night. I said, Tom, I didn't. He said, if you didn't make a decision to binge, then your life is unmanageable by you. That made sense. So then we went on to two other things. Um, I started sponsoring and I had a woman who, uh, who was doing okay, and then she had to go in for back surgery. And uh, uh, the surgery was successful to my knowledge, 
and she had two kids, two elementary school kids at home. She checked herself out of the hospital and committed suicide. Now, I hear about this, and I go to a Friday night meeting, which used to be in Glendale, and I went to somebody, and I I told him what was happening. He said, did you talk to your sponsor? I said, I can't. I only talk to my sponsor at 5, and I found out about this about 6.30 or 7. He said, go home and call your sponsor, and I thought, oh, my God, he told me to call at 5. Now I'm going to call him at 10. So I call him on the phone and I said, Tom, I said, uh, uh, a baby that I sponsor checked herself out of the hospital, went home and committed suicide. And he got very soft and he said, that has to hurt. And I just broke down and started crying. And he got very soft. I mean, he didn't bark orders at me. And he said to me, Ron, you have to understand that compulsive overeating kills people. It's not a cutesy diet. And a lot of people don't realize that. They use it as a diet, which is certainly their prerogative, but it kills people not as fast as drugs and alcohol, but it kills people. You need to go back to meetings and share that story so maybe you can help another human being. Also, you have to understand that suicide is the ultimate self-centered action. Who are you thinking about? Yourself only. She did not think about her children coming home from school and finding her dead. That had to mar them for life. So, I... I, uh, uh, Oh, he also, I forgot to tell you, he also said... Read a half a page in the big book a day. What he was trying to do was to help me keep things simple. He said, I don't want you reading a page. I don't want you reading two pages. I want you reading a half a page. And in one year, you'll have read the first 164 pages. It just so happens that on page 45, it says, somewhere in here, Lack of power, that was our dilemma. And he said, its main object, this book and program, is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. So, I always look for the easy way out for things. Page 86 tells you what to do in the morning what to do during the day, and what to do at night. Simple, simple, simple. And page 86, if I can find it. I'm going to have cataract surgery, so I don't have to wear glasses anymore. Um, When we retire at night, we constructively... Do you know how many years it took me to read constructively? I was always looking at what I did bad during the day. It's not what constructive means. We constructively review our day. Were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Usually I say yes. Do we owe an apology sometimes? Have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? Were we kind and loving toward all? No. (laughs) 
So I said to Tom, uh, I can't think about somebody else for hours and hours and hours and hours. He said, can you do it for five minutes? So I made up a game. I did it today. It's called a God Zapper. It's what I call it. And as I'm driving, because I drive a lot, I bless people in their cars. And I said, God bless you. I hope you win the lottery. God bless you. I hope you have a healthy, wonderful relationship. God bless you, blah, 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 blah. Gets me out of myself. It's a wonderful, wonderful experience. So slowly, they say you work the programs, uh, to the, uh, the steps till they work you. So now it's automatic. Uh, almost every morning I get up. Don't ask me why I do a 10th step in the morning. Very weird, but that's what I do. And I follow page 86. And I also write a Dear God letter because if I don't tell on myself, I'm in trouble. And of course, the fourth column, there are three columns in the book for doing your fourth step. The fourth column is, what was my part? And so when I'm writing, I look at, and that's the hardest, because I want to blame everybody else. So, aha, uh-huh. she said it was a cute sign. <laughs> so, so um, uh, I'll write down, you know, so-and-so, you know, my, like my best friend is going down in health. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. My head says he won't last the, the end of the year, but I don't know if that's true or not because I'm not God. Um, but I, it bothers me because whenever I talk to him, he's forgetting more. This was a, a brilliant man with computers. He built every computer I ever had. If I ever had a computer problem, I would call him. Two seconds, he would say, do this, do this, do this. I now have a computer problem. And he's getting frustrated because he doesn't remember how to fix. I'm in Windows 7. And, um, and I just say to him, that's okay. I said, if you think about it, you know, let me know. But it eats at my, because I'm watching him go downhill. So I called somebody in program and I said, it, it bothers me. It scares me. That uh, this dear, dear friend, my best friend, is going downhill and eventually will die. And he said, it's not up to you, it's up to God. You have a God and so does he. And as it says on page 449 in this version, 417 in the other, acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. It is so true. But acceptance means giving up control. So I have to remember on a daily basis, I have to turn my life and will over to the care of God. There was a wonderful lady who uh, had been in program for 30 some odd years. And she got all upset and angry about something because her, her grandchild was born and she was out of town speaking at a, at a, at a meeting. And uh, she called her sponsor and sponsor didn't know what to do. She was, uh, so she called her sponsor. So her sponsor calls her and says, what seems to be going on? She says, well, my, my daughter-in-law had the baby and I wasn't there and I have, to have, I have to be there. And she said, did you turn your life and your will over to God today? Yes. 
then you're exactly where you need to be today. That's acceptance. Do I do it all the time? No, because I'm not perfect. But thank God, program does not ask me to be perfect. I am now retired through this program. God has taught me through this program how to invest so I could retire. And I am loving it. It is wonderful. I don't have to get up at 6 in the morning. I get up at 8.30 if I want. I get up, I make some breakfast, and I water my plants. And then I say, what can I do for somebody else today? So I volunteer at an elementary school, and I, I tutor a second grader in reading. He reads better than me. And <laughs> there's a guy that I know is 82 years old. God put these people in my life. He's 82 years old. He lives in assisted living. And I take him once a week out to lunch to remind him what real food tastes like. Because <laughs> he lives in assisted living. <laughs> and, and I keep looking for things to do. Um, I've called a number of places. It's not happening. They don't know what I'm asking or, you know, whatever. I ask somebody, I, I need a meaningful, uh, uh, I've done pastoral counseling, I've done counseling, I've done whatever. I need a meaningful volunteer kind of thing. And the woman says to me on the phone, how about bingo? <laughs> That's meaningful? To someone it is, but not what I'm looking for. So God in his time or her uh, will put something in my life. It's always happened that way. If I needed a job, bingo. Someone called me and said, oh, I heard about such and such, and I got a job. Uh, this program is such a gift. And uh, it, it's, it's mind-boggling to think that I have 34 years of back-to-back -back abstinence and... More importantly, that I'm not walking around with all that anger and venom inside of me. And it's all because of program in my higher power. Thanks. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. What did I just do? If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the options or opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. So, is somebody keeping time? You'll get a five minute warning. Sorry? I said you'll get a five minute warning. Okay, do you have a question? I know. <clears throat> How has your uh, faith evolved from your childhood faith as a result, and then after as a result of the Faith in Judaism or faith in God? It's God. Your, the evolution of your, your belief in God changed. My God, do you have an hour and a half? <laughs> when I came in here, uh, I'm also a Jewish clergy. So when I came in here, uh, my belief was my God was meretricious. My God was vindictive. 
my God rewarded you when you were good and punished you when you were bad. So what happened is I come in and they say you can choose a higher power of your own choosing. And I went like this because I knew that a lightning bolt was going to come and hit me. So I tried. People made all kinds of suggestions. Writing on a piece of paper on one side, everything you want in a higher power. And on the other side, everything you don't want on a higher power. And then ripping it and working on the one that you want. Didn't that work? Uh, I then, does anybody remember Dottie Shore? Anybody in here long enough? So Dottie Shore was this wonderful lady from AA. And uh, I went to a OAA function and I uh, went to her and I told her I was trying to find a higher power different than what mine was through my, my fourth and fifth step. And she looked at me and she says, please don't do that. All you have to do is say, God, reveal yourself as you really are and then start looking. At that time, I was working at UCLA and I went into Westwood and they had a Christian bookstore. My luck. And <laughs> I go in and uh, feeling better about myself being in program for a while. I said to the woman, do you have a Judaic section? <laughs> I figured I'm going to be put on. No. So I, she said, yes, but God has a sense of humor. It's on the floor, on the shelf, on the floor. Jews do not get on their knees. So I had to get on my knees to look at the books. There was a book there, Changed My Life. It's by Harold Kushner, but not his bestseller. His bestseller was When Bad Things Happen to Good People. This was the book he wrote before that, When Children Ask About God. And so I got that book and read it. And it, it gave me permission to start looking for a different concept. Now, my higher power is my best buddy, doesn't judge me, doesn't say, why'd you do that? And I'll say, God, forgive me. And God will say to me, you're my child and I love you. I mean, it's just a gift. Did that answer your yeah. question? Okay. That's it. No more questions. Thank you so much, John. Um, with your psychology background and being an addict, um, when you start to analyze people and make up those stories and believe them, what do you do um, to help yourself get out of that stage? I didn't understand the question. When I do so you what? You have a psychology background. Right. And you're also an addict, and there's all these tools here. And you talked about how you analyze Oh, I don't analyze anymore. Yeah. No, what I learned to do in program is just listen. Because program says people know their own answers. So I don't need to sit there and analyze anymore. I just sit there and I listen to people talk. I don't have a private practice anymore, but listen to people talk. And I'll say to them very lovingly, and what do you think you, you could do about that? And then all of a sudden they'll say, well, because when I call people, when, I, when I'm uncomfortable with something and I call 
people in program, basically I need them to be not a sounding board. I just need them to listen to me because hearing it out loud helps me find the answer because I say to God, help me find the answer before I call. So that's what I do. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, how long did you keep working with Captain Serenity? And then I how did that morph into, did you end up working with a sponsor? Uh, I worked with Tom for, till I went to Palm Springs. So I, I worked with him from, I think, 84 to 97. And I, I moved to Palm Springs for a job. Uh, OA was not very strong, so I went to Al-Anon. And, uh, and I have to tell you, this is, uh, you know, it says that our disease centers mainly in our mind, right? I'm eight years in Palm Springs. Never thought of calling any people in OA in the valley. Isn't that weird? I had all kinds of things happen. My mother died. I mean, my sister died. All kinds of stuff happened. And it never dawned on me that I could call the loving people in OA that... Very strange. So, um... Uh... Forgot your question again. Did you keep working with him as a sponsor? I I worked with him until I went to uh, Palm Springs. In Palm Springs... I didn't really have a sponsor. I had people that I talked to. Uh, and then when I came back in 05, uh, I got a sponsor and uh, have been working with her for a while. Yes? Hi, thanks so much. Uh, you mentioned that when you first came in, you were on a great sheet. So I was wondering if... How has your food evolved and has the obsession been removed and what is your Okay, the, the, the obsession has been removed and has been removed for at least 34 years. What happened is when, I don't know about anybody else, I am so black and white, right? So I followed the gray sheet like a diet. So that's why I went from whatever weight I was to 20, 125 pounds. And then, oh, five minutes, okay. So then what happened is my, I had a food sponsor and he ate a baked potato in front of me and I screamed at him, you're eating a baked potato? He said, Ron, this is not a diet. And it took me years to understand that. So now uh, I, I have portion control. Didn't know what portion control was years ago. I never take seconds of anything. I do not mound a plate. I, I just take a little food and I thank God. And that's it. Um, it doesn't call to me. What calls me is to kill somebody who hurt my feelings or because <laughs> I'm not perfect. Why did he look at me that way? You know, <laughs> Um, but that's, that's basically what it is. So I can go and eat anywhere. Uh, I don't eat sugar. I don't eat uh, refined sugars. Um, and, uh, uh, but other than that, God has, has helped me to find... I never knew... You know, I mean, my, my family, a side of beef was four ounces. 
So, you know, so, but I've learned over the years because uh, I'm a diabetic now. So, so a doctor said to me, well, you, you're only allowed four ounces of protein. And I looked at him and I said, well, in my family, a side of beef is four ounces. What does four ounces look like? He said, a deck of cards. And I looked at him and I said, I'll die. <laughs> but I'm finding that one piece of chicken instead of five is okay. And as long as my spiritual fitness or whatever the word is, is okay, food is not calling. And uh, so, yeah. Anybody else? I've worn you out. Yes. The evolution of my body image. Um, well, interestingly, when I went from this to 125, I would still see myself as fat for a while, for years. Um, took me a long time. Uh, and even today, because I have this overeating anorexic kind of thing, I will look in the mirror and I'll say, you're fat. But what's going on inside me? I'm not relying on God. I'm back to trying to control things. I'm trying to, you know, I'm going to try to get somebody to notice me instead of recognizing that I don't need that. What, what, you know, as a child, I thought that if I were very famous, I could learn to love myself. And we know that very famous people don't love themselves. <laughs> Otherwise, they wouldn't be drug addicts and, you know, whatever. So um, I have days even today, but I know that it's my head telling me, which means there's something not balanced between me and God, something I need to write about. Okay? Yes? Okay, pre, uh, I was raised Jewish, and you are told that uh, uh, God is your supreme being, and you don't question. And uh, so, as I said, God to me was, uh, when I was sick, God was punishing me, and when I knew I did bad, uh, God was punishing me because that's what God was. God was... Uh, rewarded you was an ultimate parent that rewarded you when you were good and punished you when you were bad but as I became a teacher I'm a teacher as I became a teenager I began to realize that it looked like people that were not doing well you know doing the right thing were successful in doing great and uh, so as I got into program I, I slowly from talking to Dottie Shore started changing my belief about my higher power and and now we're we're just buddies i can tell him everything i don't i'm not embarrassed about telling god what i did well sometimes i am and uh but i know that god isn't judging me and uh so it's it's wonderful but it's happened over 34 years so any is that it